Wonderful. Maybe you're wondering about that trip. You've heard a lot about Africa and you've heard about Ghana and our trip there. Well, this is a trip that Deborah and Adrian took representing Elevate Ministries. We're one of the partner churches there. Adrian is our, our um, um, local missionary. We support Adrian every month uh, to minister using BMX and different skate parks and different things where he's at. Well, he had the opportunity. God began to open up an opportunity for him overseas and so he was there on that missions trip to Paraguay, and they returned right when we were leaving to, to Ghana, and uh, just so good what's happening and what they were able to be a part of. And if you didn't know, while they were there, they got engaged. So, amen. So Adrian and, and Deborah are, are hooking up, and uh, so that's really, really cool. Very exciting. Amen. Uh, um, this morning, if you're, uh, all of our children, or they've been dismissed, I think they have. Amen. So we'll get right into it today. I'm going to minister a message called Non-Flammable, Making Sure Your Life Doesn't Go Up in Smoke. That's what we're talking about today. And um, just a couple quick announcements before I get into the message. I want to thank everybody for their missions giving. I know that many of you sacrifice on, on the regular every month to give to missions, and you, you, you're hearing the results, the reports, just like we heard this morning that's, that's us partnering together to make a difference in the world, and it really is making a difference in the world. And so, so grateful for those of you that give tithe and give the off, give a tithe. We know that belongs to God already, and so we don't even question that. We're people that believe in the tithe, right? It belongs to God. It's not even really giving because it belongs to God already. Giving to missions on top of that, that's a heart gift, as Carrie was sharing with us this morning. That's truly giving. It's a true sacrifice. So we want to thank every person that every, every month, monthly gives to missions. And if you've never done that, let me tell you something. There's joy in giving to missions. Encourage you to, to start doing that now. Amen. A couple other things going on. A lot of e-groups that are happening around the church. So many e-groups. Been seeing the pictures. Been, been seeing the different groups that are gathering every, every week. Different times of the week. Different locations. It's just been awesome to see the people of God getting it together. And uh, really, really really, really um, encourage you, if you're not a part of an e-group, there's, a, there's a, um, a display in the foyer with all of the different e-group opportunities there are. These are just small groups of people getting, getting together, gathering around the Word of God, and uh, exciting things are happening as a result of that. When, people of, when the people of God are together together, good things happen. And so we're encouraging everyone to get, in, get involved in a small group. Uh, they happen in the fall, September, October, and November. We're already, we're already a third of the way through e-group season. And so we want you to jump in on one and, and get involved. Also, we have something. If you're saying, I want to get involved around the house of God, I want to I find my life uh, being used for, the, for, for God, uh, I want my spiritual gifts to be put to use and to be activated in the house of God. What we have in order for that to happen in your life is we have something called eConnect. eConnect is an online video course that we've created here at Elevate Ministries to help you get out what's in your heart. And so very simple, if you'd like to join eConnect, it's a very simple process. You can go right on our app, uh, right in the Connect section of our app, and you can, you can begin the course there. Uh, you can go on our website. You can begin the course there. There's a little scan code where the offering envelopes are. You can scan that code, and you can start eConnect there. So many different places that you can start eConnect. 
We encourage everybody to do that. It's, it's how you find out about our church, the mission, the vision, the values of this church, and where you possibly could fit into that. And uh, we, we, we really encourage everyone. You say, well, I've been here for a long time. Well, that's okay. You can still go through the course, and we'd love, to, we'd love for you to go through that, and, and uh, we'd love to get you activated in the things of God. Amen. Last announcement is this is the, the first um, of uh, we're, we're kicking back in first Wednesday. First Wednesday this week, um, October 5th is, is first Wednesday. What is first Wednesday? Well, it's a special midweek service that we have the first Wednesday of each month. This, this, this month we're bringing Raul Barajas, who is the lead pastor of our fellowship in Mexico. He's going to be with us this, this Wednesday night. It's always special. We planted Raul into Tijuana, Mexico in 1988. And since that time, he's developed a, a fellowship of churches in Mexico. I had the opportunity to speak at a conference of one of his church plants last week. It's amazing what God's doing in Mexico. And uh, Pastor Raul is our leader there. He's going to be back with us. So it's always great to bring, bring back our, 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 the people that have, that have been a part of this church that we've sent out personally. He's going to be with with us on Wednesday, and word has it, we're having birria ramen uh, on, on Wednesday, all right? So homemade, fresh homemade birria ramen, uh, it's going to be fantastic, and I'm looking forward to every part of First Wednesday, and would just, would just really, really love it if everyone was here. Our whole church would be here just to be a celebration, it'd be a lot of fun, amen. Let's get into the word this morning non-flammable, make sure your life doesn't go up in smoke. And uh, I wanna, we're going to be ministering out of Daniel chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can just kind of open up there, Daniel chapter 3. And before we get into the text, I want to kind of preface this message by saying this. I think a lot of times when we read Scripture, we read Scripture kind of like in the past tense. So we read, we read the Bible and we read we read the stories and the accounts and all of the great things that are in, in the Bible. And how many know it's wonderful to read it in a historical context? It, it makes a lot of sense to do that. And I think naturally we, we know this, this is something that happened a long time ago. So yes, it's a historical event. But I think, I think when we read Scripture, sometimes we need to switch it up a little bit. And rather than reading the stories and reading about the leadership then and the circumstances then and, and reading it as if it's just the culture that happened then, rather than reading the Bible as something that was experienced then and not really um, attainable or not really relatable to us now, I think maybe what we should do is recognize that God views time differently than we do. Because I think we, we view time like it happens on a linear scale. A lot of times when we refer to time, we look back on the things that, that, that have happened in our lives or the things that have happened in history, and we view it through the lens of, you know, this is 2022 and, you know, back in 1950, and we kind of see time like it's in this linear, linear fashion, like it, like it happens in one straight line. But that's not the way God created time. That's not the way God views time. I mean, you can even see it in the way that, that we... Um, that we, we, the seasons that, that we experience, it happens in a cyclical fashion. 
And so every year we experience spring. Every year we experience summer. Every year we experience fall. And I just want to stop here and say that fall in Southern California does not begin in September. And I know a lot of you think it does because Starbucks begins to serve pumpkin lattes and, and all these things. And I know, ladies, you just can't wait to pull out all your boots and sweaters and scarves and all of those wonderful things. But in Southern California, it's 90 degrees in September. It's cyclical. You can count on it. It's always hot in September. We don't celebrate fall. We don't bring the pumpkins out, all right? We don't bring pumpkins out in September, all right? We, we're still in summer. Let's, let's enjoy summer for as long as we can, and then when Halloween shows up, then we'll get the pumpkins out. Somebody say amen to that. I need some men to say amen to that. All right, okay. Praise God. All right. But, but, but the seasons happen in, the, in kind of a circular fashion, and I think it happens like that on purpose to remind us that what has happened before will happen again. I mean, the Bible says it in Ecclesiastes, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. And what God's trying to communicate to us is that when you're reading the Bible and you're reading about what God has done, you're reading about the, the, the exploits of the disciples or, or you're reading about the life of Christ, yes, you are reading history. These are literal things that did happen over the course of history. But here's the thing you got to see is that it, it is also a moment that was captured and has been on repeat for all of time since then. That what we read in Scripture, the reason it's called Scripture is because it's a script. It's a script. It's Scripture because it's a script. And even though the cast may change, it's still the same script. Are you with me today? Come on, help me out. It's the same demon forces. It's the same devil. It's the same evil. It's the same, it's the same enemy that's trying to seek and, and to destroy. It's the same God in the heavens that, that loves his people. That It's the same Holy Spirit that empowers the, the righteous people of God and courageous warriors. It's still those people that God uses. And, and so what we read in Scripture is really a snapshot of what God's trying to do in our time. It's, it's really a snapshot of the, of, the, of the things that we will face in our lifetime. And so a lot of times when we read stories, we read it like it's a history that it'll never happen again quite like that. I want to I argue with you and say, no, maybe that's, that's something that, yeah, we see it and the circumstances may be slightly different. But a lot of times what the people in Scripture face are the same things that we faced. Just the same thing that we're facing. And so whenever you read a text like Daniel 3... I want you to try to excuse from your mind that this is a Sunday school story. Or this is, this is something that happened back then. I'm here to, to, to argue with you that maybe what happened in Daniel chapter 3 is actually a current event that is happening again and you're part of the story. And so with that in mind, I want to read this text. And we're going to read the entire chapter today, Daniel chapter 3. And before we get into that, I want to apologize that my voice sounds the way it does. It is healing. Praise God. I covet your prayers. And uh, bear with me today. I'll do the best that I, I can. Amen. Daniel 3, the Bible says in verse 1 that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. 
And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image in which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces. Who are the people that are gathering there? Well, it's everybody, including the leadership, the big cheese, all, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the who's who. You've got the Supreme Court there. You've got the governors there. You've got representatives, the House of Representatives there. You've got city mayors and, and, and council members there. They're all gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald came out and he cried aloud. And he speaks to everyone. He says, to you, it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, the symphony with all kinds of music, you will fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, all nations, and all languages fell down and worshiped the gold image. Let me stop and say, this isn't just something going on in Babylon. This is a global thing. It's all nations and all languages. They're all doing this, all right? A lot of things happening in our world, they're not just pertaining to us here, they're happening globally. I don't know if you guys notice any current events that happen globally. Well, this is one of those things. It's a global thing. And they, and they all began to worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, there were certain Chaldeans that came forward and accused the Jews. The devil's an accuser. He always is accusing. He's always looking to accuse. And so these guys spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and the symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. King, there are certain Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image in which you have set up. Are we all tracking together? It's amazing to me how the same spirit that was at work then empowers the Karens today. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Everyone is bowing except for three guys, right? Everyone's bowing for three guys, and tattletale Karen has to come forward and tell on them. I mean, do you guys see this? I mean, these three men aren't complying with the rules. 
and they need to be put in their place. And by the way, we know where they live. We know where their address is. They're not bowing. They're not complying. I, it reminds me, I remember back in 2019, we had decided we're going to work on the, on the foyer of the church, and we're going to change the way the cafe was set up. And if maybe you remember, we had low ceilings when you walked into our building. It was, a, it was an eight-foot ceiling. And uh, someone had a great idea, let's remove the ceiling. And I was like, okay. And uh, so, so we started doing the work, and we realized this work and removing the ceiling is creating a lot of trash, trash that I don't want to carry out. What can we do? I know we'll get some young people to come to the church and do that kind of work for us. And so we invited Joseph Menchaca and John and, and, and some of these young guys, and we said, okay, your job is to take whatever we rip out, you're going to take it to the trash can. We don't care how they do it. We just want it in the, from, the, from the foyer, we want it in the trash can. And so we didn't know they were using, using the wood as lightsabers. We didn't know they were tossing the wood from one side of the street to the other. We didn't know they were chasing each other with it and, and doing all kinds of crazy things with it. We just knew that they were getting the job done that we didn't want to do. Can somebody say amen? All right. So basically, it's just young people working around the church and having a good time. We're not afraid of that. All right? Most of the time... That happens behind closed doors, and uh, what happens at Elevate Nights stays at Elevate Nights, and so that's, like, that's kind of how it works. But this particular time, they were working in the middle of the day, at a time when everybody on this street is full of different people that are working in different, different businesses around here, and, and all of a sudden, we're working, and all of a sudden, I see a City of Orange vehicle drive by. You know, and that's always perks your ears up a little bit, and you're like, oh, man, why is that guy here? You know, what's he doing there? And it's an inspecting vehicle, and he comes down the street and asks who's in charge. I pointed at Bryn and uh, kind of kept about my business, and now I'm just kidding. <laughs> Began to talk to him and, you know, come to find out someone had told on us. And what they said was that the church is employing underage children to do heavy construction around the church. Doesn't that sound like a Karen to you? Totally, right? And because of Karen, we had to deal with the inspector coming around here inspecting our work for the remainder of the project. But God is so good that we became friends with the inspector. You know, so we're just hanging out, high-fiving, closing the doors. It's like, no big deal, bro. Don't worry about it. I just have to be here. I'm like, I understand. You know, so we're, we're kind of having a good time. Well, 2020 shows up. So 2020 happens, and, um, you know, we, during, during the pandemic, of course, the church had to shut down for a little bit of time. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't know we were being lied to. And uh, so we closed the church for a sh short period of time. And um, once we realized what was really going on, we said, you know what? We're going to open up the church because we need to be the house of the Lord together. We value being together together. Like, like that's one of our values, and, and we're unable to do that. And so we said, we're just going to open up the church. And we're going to try to do it in a way that we can kind of go along with all of the ordinances that we were being told you can't sing, you, you have to wear masks, you have to social distance, everybody has to be six feet apart. They literally want us to put one chair here and one chair here and like literally all throughout the sanctuary. Well, we know that you weren't going to do that. So what we did is we printed Elevate masks, and we gave them to everyone. Do you guys remember those? That was, that was, that was our, our way of trying to, 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 to put a good front for, foot forward, and so we handed everybody a mask, and we did the best we could. And we said, hey, put up signs, practicing social distance, be careful, and, and wash your hands, and sanitize, and all that stuff. 
But it was very quickly we realized that none of you are willing to do that. So regardless of what the sign said, people are like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in several weeks. Hugging each other, kissing each other, high-fiving, loving on each other, dancing, and walking into the foyer. Well, wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden we receive a call from the city of Orange. And the city of Orange said, um, you know, uh, what we've noticed and what we've heard, we've gotten a call complaining that you guys aren't following the ordinances. You're not following the rules. You're not social distancing. People aren't wearing masks. Uh, there's large crowds gathering, and they're laughing, and they love each other, and, and they're doing all these things. And, and, and again, Karen called the city to tattle on us, all right? So what we see in Scripture, it happens, it repeats itself. This is all that's happened is a Karen has called King Nebuchadnezzar and is reporting these three men that are not bowing, all right? Out of the entire world bowing, they target these three guys, which is kind of what happened during that time that the church got targeted. So it's just history repeating itself, okay? And it will again, so you need to prepare yourself. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these three men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke. And he said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you will fall down and worship the image which I have made. And if you do not, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you from my hands? You know, there's a lot of times arrogant people will ask questions that they don't want the answer to. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar just did, all right? And so in four, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said, Oh, Nebi, we have no need to even answer you in this matter. If that is the case, if you throw us into the fiery furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, somebody say, but if not. But if not, if, if for whatever reason he chooses not to deliver us, if he chooses that for our body, bodies to be incinerated into a cloud of ash, if we go up in smoke, we want to make it plain to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Even if he doesn't rescue us from your burning fiery furnace, we will not bow. We would rather burn than bow. Can somebody shout amen? Don't you love these guys? This is the Bible, man. It's amazing. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, the expression on his face changed. And he spoke and he commanded they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. I try to think about this because it was different back then. Like they didn't have dials on the furnaces. You know, turn them up to, you know, from 225 to 350. I'm going to turn up their furnace. That wasn't how it worked. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a furnace that was burning. And so here's the king. He's like, make it hotter. And the guy's like, it's fire. <laughs> 
fire is hot. It, you know, it's a furnace. That's what, it, it's, what do you mean turn it up? It's fire. It's burning. It's hot. It's going it, it, to gonna do what you want it to do, O king. No, turn it up seven times. Okay. <laughs> and so he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men who were, who were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans and their other garments were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste. And he spoke to his counselors and said, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he said, look, I see four men not bound, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Which God can deliver you from my hand? Well, he just found out that the Son of God was walking around in the furnace. There's only one God that can deliver you from the fiery furnace. Somebody shout amen. There's only one God you're going to find in the fire. There's only one God that's standing next to me in the middle of my storm. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God who parts the Red Seas, the God who raises the dead, the God who opens blind eyes, the God that will never leave you or forsake you, the God who formed you in, in your mother's womb, who fashioned you, created you. He, he planned out all your days before even one of them came to be, before he even took one breath. He had all the days of your life planned out. That's the God that's in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come in here. Now, I mean, these guys were more saved than I, I am. I'm a little more mischievous than these guys because had, they asked, had the king asked me to come out, I would have said, no, king, Come on in. Come on in. Let's, let's have some s'mores. Let's, let's enjoy this nice warm fire together, all right? That's what I would have done, but, but obviously, obviously um, that's not them, all right? The Bible says in verse 27 that the hair of their head was not singed, their garments unaffected, and the smell of fire was not on them. I began to think about that literally. I began to, to picture that in my mind. Literally, the only thing that was consumed on their bodies was the rope that bound them. The only thing that was consumed was the ropes that bound their hands and their feet. In other words, everything that came from the enemy was taken away. Come on, do you believe that today? Everything that came to take away their freedom, everything that the enemy had tried to place on them, that was what was burned and consumed in the fire. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of a sudden, his tone seems to be changing a little bit. It's almost like God's beginning to work on his heart. and He, he begins to say, Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated my word and yielded their bodies that they should not 
not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. Now, we know he's not saved yet because of what he says next. He says that any people, nation, language, which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made an ash heap, because there's no God that can deliver like this. I mean, come on, king. You don't have to kill everyone who disagrees with you. I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking, right? Verse 30, then the king promoted. Say promoted. He promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's the entire chapter three. What an amazing story. I guess I'm the only one that thinks so. What an amazing story. Thank you for that. Amen. And so today, I, honestly, you could read a story like that, and you don't even need to preach because there's so much that we already feel in our spirit, so much encouragement we already have just from reading God's word. That's what happens when you read the Bible. God's word encourages you, puts courage on the inside. But there's a few quick things, quick thoughts I want to share with you this morning that I think we can learn from these guys to keep our lives from going up in smoke. Are you ready to find out what those things are? Number one, number one, that these, these men, they, they, they teach us and they show us that convictions, living with convictions is better than living, with, living by convenience. Convictions are better than convenience. See, our world likes to live according to convenience. If, it's, if, it's, if it works out, then I'll do it. But these men said it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to live according to our convictions. And the reason we preach the word here at Elevate Ministries is because we want to help you form convictions in your life. We want to help you develop convictions. What are convictions, you ask? Well, convictions, they're absolutes. They're things that we refuse to compromise on. And that it doesn't matter which way the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying. It, it, does, it, does, it doesn't matter because I have convictions. And so that everybody can do what they do. It's not going to change what I do because I live according to convictions. Let me give you a few examples. I live with the conviction that Sunday is the Lord's day. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so on Sundays, you can find us in the house of God. That's a conviction. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not a belief that's based on convenience. It's not one of those things that I say, yeah, well, the Rams are playing at 10 a.m. I don't think I'm going to make church this morning, okay? Next week they're at 1, so I can get to church. Pastor Adam's always done at 1130, and, and we're out of there. I'll be home in time for the game. That's living with convenience. But I've said in my life, Sunday is the Lord's day. There's only one place you're going to find me on Sunday, and it's in his house, all right? It's, this isn't legalistic. This isn't, this isn't some type of cultish behavior. This is not something that you have to do. No, this is something that I choose to do. That God's given me a free will, and it's my conviction that Sunday is God's day, and so I'm going to give it to him. My conviction is to be in the house of God. It's the same thing with finances. You can live your life to, with convenience or you can live with conviction. It's my conviction that the first 10% of my income, it belongs to God. It's a conviction. It's, not, it's, it's a lifestyle based on conviction. So the 10%, the first 10th of my income, it goes to God. I don't even think about it. I give it to God because it belongs to him. 
And 90% with the blessing of God is far better than 100% living under the curse. And so it's my conviction that 10% belongs to God. It's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I give it to him. It belongs to him. It's not based on convenience because sometimes it's not convenient to give. Sometimes it'd be more convenient to hold back because my finances are dictating how I, how I give. I don't allow my finances to tell me to give. Money doesn't talk to me. I talk to it. Did you hear that? Money doesn't tell me what to do. I tell money what to do. It's a conviction I have that I, that I give the first tenth to the Lord. Another conviction that I have is that when, when I made vows to my wife in marriage, I made those vows based on before, before my family, before my friends, uh, before, before God. When I made those vows, it wasn't just for a ceremony. It was, it was things that I was promising out of a conviction in my heart. It was a covenant promise to my wife. And when I received her as my wife, she gave me her most precious thing. She gave me her heart. She, she gave me her heart, and I have, I have made it my conviction to live my life honoring those vows that I made to her. And let me tell you something. In marriage, it's not always convenient to do that. Sometimes it's convenient to do other things, but I've made a decision. It's my conviction that I'll never break her heart by breaking those vows. It's a conviction that I live by. You see, the world doesn't live with conviction. The world lives with convenience. These men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said we would rather burn than bow. How could they say that? They said that because inside of them they had conviction. And their conviction was is there's one true God. And that true God commands us to not bow to any other image. And so we, we keep the commandments of God. And we know that God is able to deliver the righteous. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing. We live according to conviction, not convenience. I like that. I like that. That's how I want to live. That's the, that's the life I want to live. I know you read that and think, man, I like that. I want to be like that. But see, what the enemy wants to do, and the enemy always does this, the enemy wants to remove choice. The enemy wants to take away choice. He wants to remove your choice and coerce you into worshiping him. He wants to remove choice and bribe you into worshiping him or force you to worship him. He tried it with Jesus in Matthew 4. He takes Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, them, said to Jesus, all of these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Now, that's one thing you'll never see God do. God never says, if you worship me, I'm going to give you all kinds of stuff. You'll have all these toys. You'll have all this glitz. You'll have all this glam. Everything will be perfect. God never says that. God never bribes us into worship. Satan's always trying to coerce and force your worship. But if you have to be forced, if you have to be coerced, it's a violation of your free will. It's not really a choice anymore. Are you with me today? And God is so into your free will. That's what God wants. He wants you to choose according to your free will. He's into it so much that he takes Adam and Eve, puts them in a garden. Beautiful garden. Trees and flowers and plants and animals everywhere. And in the middle of the garden, he places a beautiful tree. Beautiful tree with wonderful fruit, appealing to the eye. 
And he says, Adam, Eve, this entire garden is free for, free for you. You can eat of every fruit in this garden. You can eat of fruit of every tree of this garden except for that one. But notice what God doesn't do. He doesn't keep them from eating of that tree by putting like a moat around the tree with man-eating sharks and, and, and alligators floating around in there to keep Adam and Eve away. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have like heat-seeking laser beams that if they cross over a line, the laser comes from heaven and, and tears them to pieces. That's not what he does. He says, of all these trees, you can freely eat. But if you eat of that one, it's going to hurt you. But then he leaves it up to them. He gives man a choice, which tells us how important choice is to you. That if you don't have the freedom to choose the wrong thing, you're actually not free at all. I want you to hear that again. That if you don't have the freedom to choose what's wrong, you're actually not free at all. And Jesus paid a very steep price so that you could have the freedom to choose. He's left the choice up to you. Are you, are you with me today? The power of free will. There's something powerful about making a choice. There's something powerful that's of, about someone who says, I choose to obey. There's power from a choice. There's a power in choosing conviction over convenience. Are you with me today? There's power in using your free will to say, you know what? I'm not going to do what's convenient. I'm not going to do what's comfortable. I'm not going to do what, what seems better. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to live according to conviction. Anybody in this room that say, you know what? I'm going to live according to conviction. Let me see your hand all over this room. Amen. Come on. I thought you'd be like all excited right there. Like, and, and, and I just, when I pictured preaching this sermon, I pictured everybody standing up on their chairs and like, yes, that's what I want to do. And during that time, I'd be able to get a drink of water so I could continue on with the next point. And so I want to tell you there's power in choosing conviction over convenience. Amen. Which brings me to my very next point. God, that's so wonderful. So wonderful. The second point that I, I want to talk about today is courage produces character. Courage, what is courage? Cur courage is the ability to choose what, it's, what is right despite what it costs you. All right, because living according to conviction is going to take courage. Because you're going to be going against the flow. You're going to be doing what others aren't. And so living with conviction is going to take courage to stand. And so we see this all throughout the Bible. This isn't abnormal. This is what God did. God told Joshua three, three different times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to take you to the promised land. You're going to drive out all my enemies. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to reap in a land that you didn't sow in. I'm going to bless you. But let me tell you something. It's going to take courage. It's going to take strength in order to get that, in order to occupy that. Esther was courageous. We talked about Esther last week, who, who had the opportunity to save her nation, but it was going it was, it was, it was to take her making a decision to possibly give up her life. But she was going to have to go, go, in, go before the king, and she went before the king knowing that this could cost me. But she used the courage in order to do it. You talk about David. David went unarmed without any sort of, of armor on and went out to fight a, 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 a warrior. He went out to fight a champion, a, a giant by the name of Goliath. How many know that took courage? 
You think about Noah. Noah's out there building a boat. No one even knew what a boat was. He's building a boat, and he was courageous enough to get in that boat with his family and, and sail it against 200-foot tidal waves. That takes some courage. Are you with me today? Moses, Moses, he's a wanted man for murder. He, he left on the run. Pharaoh and Pharaoh's officials are out to get him. He's running for his life, and God says, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. It took courage for, for Moses to walk in there with that staff and stand in those marble floors and look at the most powerful man in the world and say, let my people go. That takes some courage. But what's, what lies on the other side of courage? I believe God's called us to live lives of courage. That, that the Bible is stories that are circular and they happen over and over again. They're on repeat. And so we've been given the opportunity to stand up in courage too. So what lies on the other side of that? I guess what we're trying to do here at Elevate, every time you come to the house of God, we're trying to speak the word of God. We're trying to preach the word and we're trying to open, up it for, open it up for you to see and understand why. We're trying to encourage you. And when I say encourage you, I'm not just trying to make you happy. I'm trying to put courage in you encourage you that's what encourage means it's not just to pat you on the back and say oh you can do it no no that's not what it's about it's about to put conviction in your life so it gives you the courage to say you know what I don't care what it costs me I'm gonna make a stand for God that's why we don't dilute the Word of God we preach it in its full power because we need the full power of God in our lives we preach the Word of God because the Word of God convicts us and when God convicts us, it puts courage in us to overcome sin and to, and to do what God's called us to do. It's a two-edged sword. So when I preach it, it cuts going in and it cuts coming out. And so when I'm preaching the word of God, it's encouraging me. It's putting courage on the inside of me. And I want to tell you something. If you want to be inflammable, if you want to keep your life from going up in smoke, let the word of God build courage in your life because it takes courage to live out your convictions. But in doing so, you become a person of character. Come on, you read the stories in the Bible and you're like, I want to be like that. Be like what? You want to be a person of courage. You want to be a person that lives according to their conviction because that's exactly what these three men did. And the third thing that I see in this, in this story is that the fire is a revealer. The fire is a revealer. We sang the song, there's another in the fire. The worship team's going to come. We're going to sing it again. There's another in the fire. And I'm going to let them go up there so that you're not distracted any longer. There's another in the fire. A lot of people read this story and they just kind of assume that Jesus showed up in the fire. You know, we kind of picture Jesus, he's up in heaven, angels are surrounding him, fanning him. Holy, 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 holy. Like all the angels, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Jesus is sitting there and he's just basking in all the glory that's happening around him and hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, like Jesus has this, this sensory thing that kind of comes over his mind and he knows that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be thrown into the, the fiery furnace. And so in the middle of the holy, 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 he's like, guys, hold that thought. And they're like, holy. Yeah, just keep holding it right there. I'll be right back. I got to go join these guys in the fire. But that's not how it happened. That, that's, not, that's not what took place there. Jesus didn't show up in the fire. He was with them the whole time. He was already with them. When they weren't bowing, he was there. All right? When they were being tied up and persecuted, 
he was already there. When, when Karen was tattling, tattling on them, he, he, was, he was with them. They just couldn't see him until they were in the fire. You know why? Because fire is a revealer. When they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, the fire revealed him. The fire revealed him. The God that you and I serve will never leave you. He, he'll never forsake you. He's always with you. And when you go through the fire, the fire is a revealer. It reveals a lot of things. I could think back a lot of things. I, Carrie and I have gone through the fire. We've gone through different seasons in our life. And a lot of times we've gone through circumstances and hardships where we felt like we were losing our friends. Anybody ever feel like that? You just feel like, like you're losing your friends and you're wondering where all your friends are. You're going through a hard time and, and it seems like no one's there. Again, to think about it, in all actuality, we didn't lose our friends. The fire was just revealing who our friends were. The stand that we made at different times, the, the different things, the different, different choices we made uh, based upon our convictions, we didn't actually lose anything by living according to our, our convictions. What happened was it exposed and revealed what was always there. The fire is a revealer. The fire is a revealer. The, the fire exposes who is with you. Are you with me today? I hope so. The fire exposes who's with you. The fire exposes that God is there. He's present. He's always there, a helpful present, ever-present help in time of need. He'll always be there. He'll always, he'll never forsake you. You know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of fires taken place over the last couple of years. It's been a lot of fire, a lot of testing, tribulation, trials. There's a lot of, a lot of people that didn't make it because the fire is a revealer. The fire reveals your heart. That's why I love, I know, I know that you love seeing, I love seeing Bobby sitting here, right here in the second row. It's just, it's just, it's like, it's like deja vu for me, seeing that beautiful bald head going through the fire. Bobby's going through the fire right now, and we've been praying for her. But the fire is a revealer. It reveals what is always there. So in the good times, when everything's going dandy, she's here serving the Lord. But, but when the fire comes and it gets hard and the test is there, she's, she presses in more. Why? The fire is a revealer. It reveals what was always there. Yes, yes. There's a lot of testing been going on. And I love about this story, and this brings me to my last point, is that promotion always follows testing. So Nebuchadnezzar, he, he wanted to kill them. He wanted to take them out, but he ended up promoting them. He, he, he tried to throw them in the fire thinking that would, that would snuff them out, but actually putting, him in the, putting them in the fire actually elevated them. It actually promoted them. And I know today many of you in this room, you've gone through things or maybe you're going through stuff right now. You're going through a, a, a moment of testing, a trial, circumstances outside of your control. Maybe you're in a battle right now, suffering persecution. I love the Bible because the Bible says this. It, always, it says in, in, in Revelation repeatedly, it says, to him who overcomes, I will give. 
to him who overcomes, I will give. And I remember different seasons in my life when going through battles and, and struggling and wondering how is this going to work out and what's going to happen next. What comes to my mind in those seasons is to him who overcomes, I will give. And there's like this, this wave of energy that comes in the middle of a storm, knowing that if I can get through this, if I can get on the other side of this fire, if I can get on the other side of the storm, God's going to take me to another level. To him who overcomes, I will give. You can't have a testimony without a test. And the truth is we're either in one of two places. We're either in a test or we're in a trust. I know you've heard me say this before. You're either in a test right now or you're living in a trust. We're always going through one of the other. And I think God always is weaving our lives between a test and a trust. And the reason God allows us to go through times of testing is because he's trying to, to entrust us with more. And so the test makes it, uh, makes it, gives God the opportunity to trust. That God, I was faithful in the test, and God says, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to trust you with more. I'm going to give you more power. I'm going to give you more anointing. I'm, I'm going to give you more courage. I'm going to deepen your character. And so here's these men, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they lived through the trust. They stepped into the fire, but when they came out of the fire, it wasn't the same men because Nebuchadnezzar promoted him. God always promotes after a test. See, the fire is a revealer. Romans 8, 19 says, all creation is waiting with eager expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. See, God reveals himself in you, but it usually happens through a hard time. It usually happens through a difficult time. Here's these men. They have a conviction, and the conviction causes them to live with courage. The courage produces character. The fire reveals that God is with them. And because they went through the fire, God promoted them. And I want to tell you something. That same story is on repeat in your life. That same story, it's not a Sunday school tale, man. It's not just a, a story that we've heard so many times in the Bible or read or preached about. No, no. This is a story that's, that's a captured in history to remind us who we are. That when we go through the fire, there's another one in the fire. He's standing with us. When we live according to our convictions and we choose to obey and we live with courage, let me tell you something, God promotes, he lifts up, he stands with us. And I want to tell you something today. I want to encourage you today. I want to put courage on the inside of you that God wants to promote you. He'll test you to promote you. He wants to give you promotion in his spirit. He wants to give you promotion in power. He wants to promote you with anointing. He wants to promote with signs and wonders and miracles. How do I know that? Because he did it in the book of Acts. Now when these men, these apostles, they lived with conviction and they, they, they knew it was going to cost them. They knew that, that their, their lives were at risk. But they said, you know what? Doesn't matter. We're going to live 
with conviction and it's going to take courage to do so that courage produced character in their life and every time fire came their way there was another one with them standing in the fire and God promoted them and used them and used them and today we're a part of the story it's just another another moment in the cycle of God's God's timeline that allowing us to be a part of his master plan and I'm challenging you in this room all of you in this room to develop some conviction in your life that this is the man this is the woman this is a child of God that I am and there's nobody that can change that I'm living with convictions I choose to obey God with my life regardless of what everyone else does regardless of what everyone else says I make a choice with that choice there's power there's courage there's character there's promotion amen right now all over this room maybe close your eyes bow your heads all over this place I think all of us are faced with choices every day choices to live a convenient life easier comfortable I think I think we're tempted with that choice every single day and it always stands in opposition to conviction sometimes it takes courage to live with conviction and some of you right now you recognize that because you're caught between the two and you're trying to decide what do I do what do I do my challenge to you today let me encourage you God's giving you an opportunity because he's trying to promote you he's trying to do something with your life if you'll choose to live with conviction it's going to produce courage in you it's going to take courage to do it but courage courage is an amazing thing it's something that we all want so so maybe you make a choice right now i'm making a choice to live with conviction i know it's going to cost me but that's the choice i make regardless of what comes my way regardless of what people may say regardless of what everyone does i'm living according to convictions whatever that is maybe that's you you're saying i'm making that decision right now let me see your hand all over this room all over this room come on lots of hands lots of hands lots of hands all over come on lift them up lift them up leave them up leave them up come on i'm living with conviction i'm living with conviction i'm choosing i'm choosing to obey god's word i'm choosing to obey what he says that's how i'm living come on put your hand up all over this room thank you jesus for these hands thank you lord for these hands lord i pray give him the courage right now to to do it come on come on ask God for courage he'll give it to you God I'm, I ask you to give these people courage to live according to their conviction in Jesus name come on God right now Lord you you want to you want to use them just like Shadrach me that's us today we're living in this history on repeat and I pray as we choose conviction over convenience you'll give us the courage and Lord what people will see is character people of character how many want to be a person of character let me see your hand all of this room God I want to be a person of character when people look at me I want them to see someone that's righteous that's upstanding that's loyal that's faithful I want to send them to see someone who's generous someone who loves someone who forgives that's what I want them to see I want to be a person of character God make me that person if that's your prayer stand to your feet God make me a person of character when people look at my life I want them to see you God I want them to see your love I want them to see your faith I want them to see your forgiveness God build that in my life conviction and courage and character let that be me let that be me come on lift your hands and say God God build that in my life God thank you for that God thank you for the opportunity to make me that person 
in Jesus' name. Let me tell you what. You're praying for that. You're praying for conviction and courage and character. And it only happens one way. <laughs> it happens in the fire. That's what we all want. Minus the fire. Like if we could, if we could have conviction, courage, and character without the fire, how awesome would that be? It's just not possible. We gotta go through the fire sometimes. I know some of you are going through the fire right now. Maybe it's happening in your family or your finances or your workplace or your neighborhood or whatever. There's a fire happening in your life. Guess what? That fire is gonna produce courage. And that courage is gonna produce character. And that fire is gonna reveal the presence of God that's with you. The fire is not your enemy, it's your friend. It's what God uses to promote you and to make you into the person he's created you to be. God, right now, over these, this room, Lord, over these people, thank you, Jesus, for the fire. Thank you for the hardship. Thank you for the struggle. God, we know it's necessary, Lord, for you to do and work in our lives. And so, God, not only do we welcome it, God, we, we embrace it because we know, Lord, you're there and you are revealed in the fire, God. And so, God, we thank you for, the, for your presence that never leaves us, never forsakes us. God, but we recognize it's, is it, we recognize it in the hard times. God, I pray right now, let your presence fall in this place. Come on, ask the Lord for his presence in this room. God, we ask for your presence to fall in this place and do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, Come on thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. If I ever knew. 
close out this service today. I don't know about you, but I heard that message and I'm already feeling the courage building up inside of me. Can anybody else say the same? Come on, we live in a crazy world and I'm so glad that I serve a God that walks with me, stands by my side, and he is revealed in the fire. How many appreciate that message from our pastor this morning? What a tremendous thing. Come on, give him a hand today. What an amazing thing. God, we're so grateful to you, Lord. Lord, that you stand by our side. Lord, we'll be going through the trials. Lord, and you are holding us. You are undergirding us. Lord, your power stands within us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, on top of that, I thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ, that we stand together. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We speak the word of God into each other's circumstance. I'm so grateful to you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. Well, this is a really exciting Sunday. If I could just have all your attention before you leave, this is a really exciting Sunday because this is the first Sunday of Pastor Appreciation Month. Come on. This is the first Sunday of Pastor's Appreciation Month, and so we're going to be celebrating our pastors all through this month, and we're excited to do that. And to kick it off, I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Adam's birthday was yesterday. So... Pastor Adam's birthday was yesterday, but there are birthdays all through the Friedrich family all through this month. And so we're, we're going to celebrate their birthdays today. There's going to be cupcakes on your way out, and we just want you to hang out, fellowship. I'm going to encourage you today. Go up to our pastors, Pastor Carl, Sister Bonnie, Pastor Adam, Pastor Carrie, Pastor Drew. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them how much you love them. Let's show them that we care. Let's show them that, we, that we're so grateful to God for them. And as you go from this place, like I said, hang out, fellowship. Let's have a good time together. We love you, and we'll see you again very soon. God bless you guys.